1994, two years before the first Pokemon games, Game Freak released a game for the Sega Mega Drive called Pulseman. The opening cutscene relates the story of how Dr. Yoshiyama fell in love with an artificial intelligence and uploaded himself into the mainframe so that he and his program could conceive a son, Pulseman. Much of the cutscene is presented as a computer screen where someone is entering a password and there's a voice print identification and so on. Then there's a screen that's a bunch of gibberish, mostly consonants like someone pounding a keyboard. The letters P-R-G-R-M appear at one point, as if the random text is trying to say program. Smart people will tell you not to latch on to incidental details like this, that you shouldn't try to decode messages where no messages exist. If you read every fourth letter on every third line, if you read it backwards, if you read the J's as P's, you can make anything mean anything. This desire to create meaning is one of the strongest forces driving the human brain. We project it everywhere, so of course we're going to find false positives. But the principle applies in the other direction. Books, movies, poems, paintings, bridges, and churches are made by humans. Humans who want to create meaning just as much as we all want to find it. Video games, in particular, are made by nerds. And to dismiss the notion of a hidden message in the video game is to say that nerds have no desire to communicate anything to the universe, that they do not want to demonstrate how clever they are, that they do not have that much free time. In 2016, Nico Nico user Hakuro figured out that the gibberish in the Pulseman opening cutscene was a fairly simple cipher for Japanese. He decoded it to reveal a heartbreaking conversation between Dr. Yoshiyama and his artificial intelligence. As the doctor professes his love, the computer protests, I'm not the angel that you seem to think I am. I'm just a heartless program. Nothing more and nothing less. And this is the third strongest podcast. Well, that was a good break. I'm a little tired after the break, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. I need a break from my break. You need a vacation from this vacation? That's right. You need a podcast from this podcast. And you need a side quest from this side quest, kind of. Because after, you know, we got went out on this jag to do the belch base, now we have to do this little extra jag off of the jag to do the Milky Well dungeon. The Milky Well cave. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. None of these places have, like discrete names because they're all just named like after the tourist attraction at the end of it and they're all mostly caves mostly yeah the i don't go on a lot of hikes but i went on a hike last weekend and uh i realized that this was what was missing from my analysis of the Your Sanctuary locations. Because we talked about, like, mystery spots or tourist traps, but they're really more like just going out on a hike to, you know, the point, the big rock, the rock formation, you know? Yeah. Um... And it it's a it's a much more straightforward communion with the natural world than I think I concluded in my earlier analysis. But it's it's still interesting to me that the way Ness 
like the way he finds himself or like activates his true nature or power or whatever is by going out and finding these places that seem so identified with like their own environment you know How do you like, identify with their own environment? Oh, like, because it's... Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Because Magnet Hill is a, the the secret spot of Foreside. Yeah. Why should Ness, a guy from all the way in Onet, consider... Like, why should he have this special, like, primal connection to a place... All these places so far away from where he's from that don't seem to scream out... I am Ness's place in any way that's obvious hmm. to us. Well, you can have those experiences when you're far from home. You can. It is a feature of traveling, sort of. Just finding a spot that makes everything seem different than your normal life. It's sort of an awe-inspiring place. And... When you find those places, you like I'm asking you because maybe you've had this experience more than I have. Uh, you feel like you know something about yourself that you didn't know before. Uh, I have had these experiences, um, mostly traveling also nearby, and it feels like losing myself in a way. It's like you see um, like the awe is a feeling of being like part of something bigger than yourself maybe that is something he needs to learn too maybe that's part of his journey zach do you have any thoughts sometimes it's like the act of like even just discovering that you find something that does resonate with you even if you can't like substantiate why but you're like oh i went there one time and that was really cool and it's interesting that I think that's cool because not everybody's necessarily going to like this, whatever I'm at. Um, yeah. And so you kind of get a little bit of self-introspection there. That's my mindset, at least, I guess. Yeah. Zach, name a place where you've had this sort of experience that you consider your sanctuary. Uh, No. Too private. Sarah? Um, one place that comes to mind is the top of a mountain in Taiwan. <laughs> it was very far from home. That's but I felt present radical. there. Okay. Mine is the out back of the Westlawn building on the University of Iowa campus. Hmm. Where there's this very strange little ruined picnic area that hasn't been kept up in decades and you can't see it when you're driving past <laughs> but it's hmm. it's in a really obvious spot but it's not on any maps or anything that does sound like a sanctuary yeah so now like after going on that hike and I was like, oh, this is more what Earthbound is talking about in these locations. And then I thought about, do I have any of those? And I did. Mm. And it was that one. Maybe there's more out there waiting for you. Maybe there is seven, seven more, more out there. 
Um, I th- I think there's still something to be analyzed in the the connection between Ness going out into the world and finding these places way on the edges of the world, and that being what unlocks something that's so personal and interior for him. Mm. And we'll continue to visit this theory as we visit more your sanctuary locations but we're getting ahead of ourselves aren't we because we haven't fought a bunch of ran boobs yet <laughs> i know somebody that played the game for the first time like a friend of a friend and i would kind of be around when messages were being passed about it and i did they didn't like say too much about it as they're playing it but i did just get the the, the word ran boob <laughs> in chat and everybody just kind of agreed yeah ran boob yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's like a plant monster or something. Yeah, he's cool. He's like a cool plant man. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's an interesting idea or like a design for a plant man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you compared to mushroom with legs, sprout with legs, ranboob is an interesting thing. I wonder if does any of the like localization documentation explain why it would be called ranboob i'm pretty sure i looked it up and no it's just it's it's the same thing in japanese there's not really an explanation for this weird name it's just taken as granted cool sure you can name a monster anything well uh, don't say anything zach anything <laughs> uh, Zach, I think the optics are on this are not going to work out for you. All right, <laughs> I got my eyes closed. We're good. <laughs> the boss of this dungeon is the I want to say Trillionage Sprout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought but, Trillionage. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's but, Trillionage. Yeah, because it's a trillion years old yeah another plant enemy yeah the whole uh dungeon is it's very short dungeon and it's full mm -hmm. of all plants um it can be pretty brutal it can be tough the uh the trillion age sprout it's like a thousand year old sprout um so it's it's instead of being a plant that grew it's just the tiny little sprout coming out of the ground. But oh the, my gosh! The mound has like become huge and has developed. Oh my a face. gosh! That's what's There's going on. There's a huge mm. joke here that I never thought of at all. Yeah. What wow. if what if a plant grew but didn't grow any bigger, but like got more intense over time? It was just a sprout forever. Yeah. That's wow. bananas. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really good <laughs> localization too. Trillionage. It's it's fantastic. It's a tough boss fight too. Yeah. Now this is. It isn't the first one because you can skip the mole, but this one is kind of easier to skip. Arguably, uh, not really. But I have skipped this one before and come back later in the game and. I realize this is like finding patterns that aren't really there, but I never get diamondized by Julianich Sprout, except on that one time when I came back and I was super overleveled. Hmm. 
it was like the game knew that I was sequence breaking and it said, how dare you? Now Chillinage Sprout is going to use his actual like really mean attack and diamondize your whole team. Diamondize. This is the first time we've had the status effect, right? Yeah. Yeah. It did not it's happen like, to me either. It's like a cooler version of Petrify where instead of turning to stone, you turn to diamond. It's pretty sick. Yeah. So you're more cool. valuable. Yeah. You're going to go <laughs> back to the healer and he's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you a little more than $50 now. But I need the whole party member. Yeah. Ooh. In, a diff- in a different kind of game, you could do that. That's I like that a lot in some sort of net hack thing. Yeah. Some kind of old computer RPG where you like have a party and you can go recruit more people whenever you want. It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to go turn yeah. my guys into diamond and sell them and make a bunch of money. I, I not with diamond, but I think you basically can do that in net hack because you can have a pet and you can use flesh to stone or whatever the name of the uh spell is and then you can sell that to a shopkeeper and yeah that's that exists although statues are never worth much money no anyway um is it worth saying about this dungeon that it's not only pretty short but really linear and doesn't even have like a thing where you can take two different paths around a pit or whatever it's just one long tube with one uh, present box in it. I think it just, it works out that way because at this point you just did a big dungeon, so they weren't going to put a big dungeon a- in the absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then you, having defeated Trillian Age Sprout, you enter the Milky Well Sanctuary. And it's a place where some sort of white fluid is pouring out of a rock. Is that like some and kind of plant-based milk maybe i hope so Uh, what what, they make milk out of all sorts of stuff it's like soy milk natural naturally occurring soy milk yeah that makes sense with the plant theme oat milk i don't know milks (laughs) non-cow milk i don't know yeah there's a lot of possibilities yeah it could be cow milk don't know if that works out geologically, but maybe. <laughs> Why? I've never okay. Heard of it. Does soy milk work out geologically? I could In make my up head... a story where it yeah. works. I can think of a story where cow milk works. Uh, that's harder, but, but I don't think it's appropriate for the podcast. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> what we wanted to talk about on the uh, tea party episode was something that we keep forgetting to talk about in these your sanctuary locations which is that ness has visions when he reaches these locations he doesn't just collect parts of a song he has flashbacks to when he was a baby that's true we do keep forgetting to talk about these yeah i do breeze past these every time and yeah i don't think think we've said what they are what these visions are and I don't remember what they are. I have I think a list one of, of them. them is a small, cute puppy. Yeah. Well, remember what like remember to us what they are, so we can decide whether there's anything worth talking about. Ness caught a glimpse of a small, cute puppy. Was the first one. Okay. 
And the second one is Ness briefly had a vision of a baby in a red cap. Okay. And then this one is Ness thought he heard his mother from far away. She said, be a thoughtful, strong boy. Aw. Yeah, they're all really sweet. They're just so peaceful. I imagine that that's how he feels in this place. Yeah. It uh, connects him not only to, like, himself or to his psychic powers, but to this ideal moment of babyhood. And uh, it gives a, a cool emotional an extra emotional bit to the complex tapestry of emotions that is earthbound mm -hmm. but enough about that let's walk back out of the dungeon uh back through saturn valley say goodbye to the misters saturn is there anything else we want to say about the misters saturn nope walk mm -hmm. back to threed and notice that there are still uh, enemies, frogs and alligators and ants in the Grapefruit Falls area, but the rural zombies have disappeared, uh -huh. and the zombie cave is now empty. And it's it's nice that as soon as you beat Master Belch, you don't have to worry about zombies anymore. Uh, <laughs> this isn't the kind of game where you know the the enemy loadout changes depending on your uh, progress. Uh, but here, like, it does tell the story that there are no zombies anymore. Yeah. Or are there? Because when we get back to Threed, what happens when we get back to Threed? It's There's normal a row of now. people there to congratulate you. And yeah. And music. Everything's bright. Uh, it, everything's bright, but it is a more autumnal palette than mm. the other towns. Yeah. But definitely not as creepy. I was thinking... Um, and I, I kind of had this thought while I was replaying some of the Threed stuff that Threed kind of seems like it might be a really like hastily drawn New Orleans. Hmm. How, how do you figure it that? Has, um, the like intensity of the graveyards, uh, just is something that I kind of associate with New Orleans having really big Catholic graveyards and um, the like circus angle. Like why is this town so crazy about circuses hmm. could be like, you know, <laughs> trying to put a Mardi Gras thing in there. Um, did I have a third point of comparison? Oh, the zombies. Uh, zombies are kind of a, Louisiana thing. I don't know. It feels like there are just enough. Like if you're a kid reading a book about the cities of the U.S. <laughs> and they want to list the three cool things to know about New Orleans, uh, you might get this very, very broad cartoon vision of New Orleans that you would turn into something like Threed. I guess if somebody oh. said it was inspired by it, I wouldn't be terribly surprised, but it's kind of vague. It, yeah, yeah. I, I don't especially buy this one, but like you said, it's a very wide swath yeah. ideas being conveyed here. Uh, 
I'm not like married to the the theory, but I do like that it gives any kind of context at all to the the focus on circuses. (laughs) Even though it's extremely tenuous. Yeah, the circus thing is strange. There are. There's still a circus presence in Threed because the tent and or the the zombie relief core tent and also the wagons at the edge of town are now filled with zombies and ghosts and at least one dog. There's just a regular like the, dog. What did that dog do? Aww. I always think that that dog is supposed to be a zombie dog. It must be. No. That's just a real dog that was like on the other side. Aww. I do think putting a ghost in in jail is pretty funny. It's very yes. good. <laughs> if you go back in the tent um those two guys are still there there's a the 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 pretty girl paper guy who now is making a joke about peace paper oh yeah try trying to like paste over his previous faux pas he made which is very good yeah and that guy's family hates his guts now oh the guy the bald man the man who only cares about himself is shocked to discover that his family doesn't like him anymore. Such uh, drama in this town. There's a very the three. Oh, oh yes, ahead. you go first. No, no, I, I have a like a synthetic thought to bring everything together. So we better analyze it first and get all the details out of the way. Oh, this is a uh, uh, only tangentially related. Um, there's an item of great importance in Threed, but it is an item. Of great importance only to a single person. Mm. Uh, there's an NPC. Oh, now I've forgotten. Is he here or is he in Tucson? He's in Tucson. The guy is in Tucson. He left the insignificant item in the hospital in three. Oh, the man yeah. in Tucson will tell you that he left a very important item to him in three. And so now that you can travel the tunnels, you can go to the hospital in three and search a bunch of drawers and find an item that's called the insignificant item <laughs> i'm always surprised to notice that the there's no visual indication of this is the drawer you really have to poke around like this is a some kind of lucas arts game this is like they, they use this trick just a couple times in this game where you just really have to like walk around and search forever um, and I here have no idea com- about this. This is blowing my mind. You don't know this? No. <laughs> okay. okay. You have to okay. actually search for once. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah I, I like. I went up to three cabinets and nothing happened, so I stopped looking in cabinets. So there is an item called the insignificant item. It's not. This is not in the player's guide, which is always. Wow. It oh. always made it seem like it was fake when people talked about it it's until I tried it myself. Enough. I can't. <laughs> But you can, it does sound fake. It sounds extremely fake. It sounds like yeah. rumor. It's like, oh, yeah, I found an insignificant. No, you didn't. That's not in the player's guide. Get out of yeah. here. Oh, my gosh. Um, You can get the item. You can use it. And the message is something akin to. No, don't say something akin to. This is a place where we need the All right. text dump. I can get the text dump. And You're going to get there before me, though. By using the insignificant present. You had a very fruitful experience that cannot be understood by someone who does not use something insignificant. Wow. 
pretty incredible. Yes. Uh, and then you can return it to him, and he's so happy he gives you a magic truffle. Truffle. That's what I said. Okay. And I have not done this yet because the magic truffle restores so much PP that I'm like, I'm never going to use that or need to save that until I have enough need for PP restoration. How much does it? Like 80? Yeah, it's crazy. That's an amazing gift. It's way overpowered for this part of the game. Yeah, that it's guy like... in Tucson probably didn't need it. Uh, no, I doubt his max HP is anywhere near. <laughs> max PP, I mean. Okay, that, that, that's it, though. Uh, you said you had a synthesis to synthesize. Yes. The Threed Zombie Belch subplot has turned out to be a sort of joke. In that we had... The gloomiest, dreariest, like, most dreadful situation that we've encountered so far. It really seemed like the game was turning into a horror game. Uh, you made Nikki sort of thing, almost. And when we came out the other side of the zombie tunnel, we found the Mr. Saturns, and we found out that the leader of the zombies is a pile of puke. And everything has turned out to be much more stupid and cartoony than the uh, initial flash of the zombie situation seemed to suggest. And I think this is an important storytelling pacing device. I think that what Earthbound has done is kind of, you know, tease you or like really is tease the right word really up the tension and make you wonder whether things are going to take a turn for the unpleasant and you know when it pulls the when it lifts the the veil and reveals what's going on uh you find out that you know it, it actually is silly and fun and you know it was it wasn't really gonna be scary you guys we were mm -hmm. having fun and that means that from now on in the game, Earthbound has earned your trust. And it can do weird and creepy stuff later on without having to, like, tone it down or, like, cushion it for you. It can uh, mess with your mind without you really worrying, like, are you gonna... Are you going to do something really bad to Earthbound? Because you know that, no, it's not. Because you have this, you have this trust established by the three plot. That's really true. Oh, good. Yeah. That's very, that's very, uh, sort of a masterful game design. <laughs> Storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I thought you were going to say a masterful analysis. Yeah, no, that too. Oh, thank you. Anyway, there's there's various funny NPC interactions in 3. There's the guy who uh, whoops his girlfriends from two different towns have found each other. Mm. Uh, there's the mouse who's glad that you... <laughs> not only did you save the town, but you even take time to talk to mice. Yeah. But 
in general, there's not much to do now but to move on to the next town. Yeah, we can use the bus again. Listen to the good bus song. Yeah. We didn't talk about the bus song before. The bus song is one of the, like, top ten touchstones of my artistic experience in my life. Wow. I just love the bus music. And I think it informs a lot about who I am. Hmm. The specific bus music. The bus music may owe something to um, the Blues Brothers because um, the ostinato bass line of the bus theme is basically, arguably, uh, a play on the Peter Gunn theme. And what I'll do to avoid getting copyright detection problems is I'll play a cheap MIDI version of the <laughs> Peter Gunn theme. And I think that the bus theme is quoting this properly. And the Peter Gunn theme, I mean, like, it's from Peter Gunn, obviously, but it's used prominently in the movie The Blues Brothers that Earthbound seems to have seen. Mm-hmm. It'd be really funny if they hadn't, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um. Or if um, Pokemon had never seen Stand by Me. What's the connection there again? I don't remember this. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna take the bus. Here's here's something else that's really a big deal for me. Take the bus out of Threed. Go through the tunnel out of Threed. You pop out in this empty space just a a bit of daylight between tunnels you can also walk to this map it there's nothing that spawns here there's no presence to open it's just pacing it just establishes a distance and i think it's a really big deal to have nothing in between places to make this feel like a real space and to make the bus trip feel like a real bus trip where you you don't just wait for two minutes and you're at the place where you're going you have to experience moving Mm -hmm. between places Um, transitions yeah anyone seeking to learn anything from earthbound needs to pay careful attention to this empty map Anyway, another tunnel, and then you're in the desert. Yeah, we'll just pass on through this desert. No big deal. Wait a second. There's a traffic jam. Uh, I love this. I love this setup that we're going to make a giant desert area full of stuff and force you to interact with it by blocking the road we've mm. the road has betrayed you now and you have to go around <laughs> again Last but like in a ghosts. different way yeah in a different way um that you get a, the the guy in the convertible saying welcome to the end of the world's longest traffic jam <laughs> <laughs> so um, disheartening it's, it's, it's cute it's they, this is cool this is a cool desert yeah. to explore because 
and, and you could also just like go straight through it just like um, take the most direct path to get yes. around everything and get back on board absolutely because as soon the as you get to the other side optional the traffic, nature yeah. of the desert is another big deal because like most most of the time if you design uh, an adventure area in a game you're going to make put this interesting stuff on the line between point a and point b mm-hmm. but in this case all the interesting stuff is way off of your path and so you have to like you are rewarded for making the decision to wander off in a random direction and arguably the naive player doesn't really know what the correct direction is yeah like you might think oh then i'll hug the right wall so that i don't i stay as close to the road as i can um but i think that they the the map is designed well to encourage you to be like what's that up there yeah. and then you end up in this bonkers just wandering area that's so cool plus you don't know for sure that you just have to bypass the traffic jam you might need an item or you might need to just wait long Mm. enough to trigger something yeah they don't tell you that you have to get around the traffic jam yeah hey speaking of triggering something oh you're trying to prompt me to talk about something (laughs) (laughs) segway i just let that segue go straight past me um so i the mole is back mole playing rough is back i last time he showed up i said pay attention to that mole that mole is important and i had forgotten why but i knew in my bones that that mole was important and so i dug around and found a very helpful youtube video that i'll link if anyone wants me to link it to it uh, that explains that that is a load-bearing mole. <laughs> that is a structural. That is a mole that is important to the game working correctly. And uh, I'm gonna have Brian and Sarah step in if I misspeak on it. But essentially, what it is is that in the desert, you start sweating. Right? It's hot, mm. and the game has a mechanism here where randomly you can get sunstroke which is like a you lose four health every couple seconds or something like that like a like a minor like uh it's the same as like having a cold right Hmm. except it persists in the overworld cold also do colds persist in the overworld i forget it's like that's why you need cold remedies but not as like gruesome um and the game how does this work when you first show up in the desert a flag is set to prevent you from getting sunstroke and preventing a random enemy spawn or no yeah preventing random enemy spawns can that be right no that was what they thought it was but it wasn't that flag oh, oh. okay if there's a flag that prevents you from taking it prevents status effects from working yes. correctly. Okay, yeah. Uh, this is the same flag that gets set way at the end of the game that we'll talk about later when you don't take damage from being in deep water. When mm. will that happen? Yes. Stay tuned. And 
your first time you get here, that or it, yeah, it, that flag is not set, or that flag is set because so you're they not want you to be able to. They they want you to be able to walk around the traffic jam without getting sunstroke because they want to have this like exploratory sequence before you get into the desert and sunstroke starts. But if you die in a scripted battle or die in any battle, well, so what? While that flag is not while that flag is set. Maybe we should just tell people to watch this. <laughs> no, so it's... I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to take another stab okay. at this. So by fighting that mole and defeating that mole, which you have already, like, beaten them before, you're way stronger than, at the end of a fight, that flag turns off. At the end of any fight, that flag turns off. And so you have to fight that mole before you start taking Sunstroke damage or start getting incurring sunstroke um so you could if you like stutter step around the mole playing rough uh you can break the game a little bit because if you die while that flag is set then the game freezes or like you get this black screen that you can't or that you actually can escape from you like if you reload the game back in, it's all glitchy and bad, hmm. basically. Uh, this is the same mechanism that uh, people found a way to do a fight in the end of the game that also causes this. And it turns out yes. this is all... All of these things are connected. That... Yes. They, they... they This flag was really useful, but they found at least one spot where it existing was a problem so they needed to put a monster in that you would have to fight to undo it before the game breaks on accident and And the idea is you should not be able to enter the desert without engaging this mole correct Mm, yeah it runs right but speedrunners are able to get around it it's a hundred percent spawn that can cause them some problems yes it's one of the spots in the game that has where the spawn rate for that tile is 100%, there will be a mole here. And there are a couple other spots where this mole shows up later in the game where they spec the, the, the author of the video speculates that they thought they would need it at that point, but maybe didn't actually end up needing, but the mole remains. Yeah. So, famous, important anyway. character, mole playing rough. <laughs> uh, go watch the video. Yeah, go watch the video because we. <laughs> Definitely got at least part of that wrong. The desert is cool. What do we got? We got a like a a general store, drugstore, um, that is like a log cabin, and there is a guy who will let you sleep on. It, there's no bed visible. It's not clear what you're going <laughs> to sleep on in the general store, but it's like the perfect tiny outpost for your uh, desert exploration. And then the desert is, yeah. uh, You can buy wet towels that uh, help you cure sunstroke, which is the condition we glossed over where it gets real hot and it hurts to get real hot. And there's little sweat uh, popping out of the the characters when you walk around the desert, little sweat beads, Mm -hmm. sweat drops. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Atmosphere. Another thing about the the drugstore is 
uh, if you say you don't want to stay overnight, they say their beds are really old and dusty anyway. <laughs> so it's probably for the best. And it is expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. I also like I that there's the a big... I think the wet <laughs> towels are more expensive than using yeah. healing alpha, though. Yeah. It's good that heat stroke is treatable easily. Also, I think it's interesting that there's just a big sign that says drugs. And the, the signs yep. in this area are just one very big word. I feel it's, like that's true to life in some sense. I've seen where just yeah. it's like, you know, maybe there was more to the sign at some point and it's kind of falling apart. <laughs> and they're like, ah, it's good enough. It's all you need. The one in the, the other one that just says desert. That's very good. Yeah. I have to wonder how... A, the the sign that just says drugs in big letters doesn't get like does it say well it doesn't even matter if you take out the s it seems like that would be something that nintendo 1994 would try to get rid of in the localization yeah they didn't play that, that far they didn't <laughs> they no they, they didn't they only played up they didn't get past three so don't worry about it <laughs> The music in the Dusty Dunes Desert is pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. And it features a famous Earthbound mystery. Oh, right. I forgot is, about this. There is Morse code in the music. What? It turns out that this Morse code sample is also used in the Gigas Strikes Back screen. Or at least people have been talking about that as I try to look up the, about the Morse code. Wow. And... Um, yeah, right at the beginning, there's some Morse in the background. Yeah. I don't remember if and... I ever actually deciphered or if it was gibberish. <laughs> yeah, what does it say? <laughs> I need to know. So, the it's another thing where people say, well, these people figured it out a long time ago, and you click on the link and it's dead. Uh. Um, but from what I can find out, it... It might be uh, the Japanese version of Morse code, oh. um, but uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, someone has deciphered it, and it comes out to like, "Hey guys, is anyone listening?" Hey, like a standard opening to a Morse code message that you send out on your CB. Um, and the only interesting thing is that it lists the call sign of the person broadcasting and it should be possible to track down what that call sign is like who that is what operator but because japanese call signs all got reassigned mm. in 2001 or whatever uh there's no record of who it is and so it could be like just something copied from like Give, give me any piece of Morse code for me to put in this. But the fact that it's not just random beeping makes me wonder if whoever was composing this said, I'm going to put some, like, if I know I know some Morse code, I'll I'll put in my call sign or whatever. That's so cool. I already love this music. I didn't know that. <laughs> Kei Shizuki's, like, back there just cackling because he's got the little Morse thing under his desk. <sighs> <laughs> He knows. He knows who it is. Yeah, it's cool that like it it isn't any neat hidden message exactly. 
it's just someone saying hello and yeah. a signature. Yeah, that's what it should be. And someone's name is in hidden in the game forever, and we can't figure out who it is. And uh, that's uh, I I guess that's better than it being like, hey, welcome to thank you for playing Earthbound. <laughs> if you're listening, if you're reading this message, you have too much free time, which a lot of people do when they <laughs> take the time to put a message in something. The, yeah. the thing they decide to insert is judging you for decoding it. Anyway, let's actually talk about what's in the desert, you guys. There's lots of cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of presence on the outside of the, the perimeter, just in case you need healing items. Uh, Not that that's the coolest with... thing, but it's useful. <laughs> it is useful. <laughs> there's a cave with some monkeys, but let's not worry about that yet. Yeah, Let's just mysterious. notice that the cave with the monkeys is really close to where you start out. Yeah. And so if you were planning to rush through the desert, the first thing you're going to notice is a cave with a monkey standing outside. And that tells you immediately, there's don't rush through this desert. There's interesting yeah. stuff here. Yeah. And you, you, you can't miss that important monkey. That's absolutely. That's cool. Uh, the desert um, has a lot of bespoke enemies that I just we should shout out real quick. Yeah, yeah. There are native native buffalo. Uh, mm. There are scorpions. Scary. The goofiest looking scorpion monsters, just very happy but really mean in battle. Yeah, they're pretty rough. Uh, the there's the great the or it's not the great but the regular crested buka. The crested buka. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, there's a what's the wolf called? It's a coyote. Hmm. It's like a is it a desert coyote? I think is what it's desert called. Desert coyote. Um, those are some. They they look worse than they are. I think they look like they should be really nasty monsters. Yeah. Uh, oh, the criminal caterpillar is here. Ah. Yeah. Uh, a very elusive enemy that will spawn rarely and then run away from you so you have to be very manipulative of its spawn to get into a battle with it uh in battle it will just use pk fire over and over uh, but if you beat it you get a buttload of experience points so this is a lucrative spot to farm xp exp in this yeah game. i didn't even know uh, what I it was called because it was running away so i immediately thwarted it from I, I, the back attack i had the muscle memory to remember the like exact movements to manipulate it so that it runs into the like desert wall uh-huh right and you can just fight it over and over and over uh this is kind of a cool idea of like a very rare enemy that runs away that you have to like do special stuff with yeah uh mother three ends up doing a lot of these actually this is like a, a thing that that game thought was cool. And so there's a, a, quite a few of those in there. I have here the you impression just get... that this was also a thing in your Chrono Triggers, your Final Fantasies of the... It's certainly a thing in Paper Mario. There's the Amazing Daisy. Oh, yeah. What is it in Final Fantasy? Is, th is there a thing? Well, Final Fantasy doesn't have overworld enemies, so you just have, like, really low spawn rates for certain enemies. 
but the equivalent would be the lucrative enemy that spawns rarely and tries to run away from you so that you can't get its XP. It's like a treasure box enemy, right? Is that what it is? There is something like that. Yeah, I don't know, Cactar or something, depending on the game. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, there's people sunbathing in the middle of the desert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These guys are so good. Sure, it... why not? They, they, they keep getting mistaken for corpses. They're not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable if you see what they look like. It's fascinating Spe that... Oh, go ahead. Speaking of corpses, there oh. is a pile of bleached bones that you can talk to. Shades of Link's Awakening. Mm. I, I was thinking about Link's Awakening in this because of the sunbathers and how video games can often use beach and desert pretty interchangeably. <laughs> hmm. The sand area. It's like, I have sand, I have water, I can get two different kinds of environments out of these <laughs> assets if I stretch it really hard. Uh, there is what about the, the black sesame seed and the white sesame oh, seed. Oh, no. Oh, the greatest love story ever told? Yeah. What yeah. a weird detail. But yeah, the you have to notice one black pixel uh, in the sand, <laughs> which is actually kind of easy to see, especially because sometimes there's an enemy that's like a black dot, too. And so maybe that makes it a yeah. little easier. But you can talk to it. I forget what it says exactly, but it's it feeling regret about something that happened with white sesame seed. Why would you feel like talking to a tiny black sesame like me? I want to apologize to the white sesame that I hurt before. If I could just see her. Then you talk to the white sesame which is harder to find actually i didn't see it yeah. yet in my trip through but it'll say i heard that the black sesame i used to love is somewhere in this desert if you see him please tell him that i still love him okay i'll go back to the black sesame what the white sesame still loves me weep weep so this is fantastic and then to cap it off, after you complete this side quest, so to speak, the um, cameraman appears to take your photo to commemorate you. It's wonderful. <laughs> finding closure for these sesame seeds. Oh, I got to go do that. I haven't done that yet. So momentous. What, who, why did they do this? This is awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. In a I think desert. It, comes, it comes from the joke of... What if there was a an NPC who is just one little pixel? Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of it's, like playing on a, a seed in a bunch of sand. Absolutely, yeah. The fact that you should that you would be able to notice a like. <laughs> yeah, would, would you even notice if, at all? Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> the. I think when we were in Tucson, I said something about how, you know, video games are, they have a tendency to put all the cute extra stuff to add a ton of ancillary details in the first couple towns of the game. But then as you get further and further along in the story, things become more streamlined and 
you know, they're trying to finish the game. They don't have as much time to, you know, implement stupid extra stuff. This is, unless we're still early in the game, Dusty Dunes Desert is like, no, we still have tons of jokes that don't go anywhere that we're going to treat you to. Thank goodness. It's kind of funny because they end up kind of doubling up on this joke with another joke where indeed there is a billboard about a man <laughs> who misplaced a pair of contact lens and uh, asks that you look for them. And fortunately, they're very close to the uh, sign, actually. Probably should have spent more time looking than putting up a sign. Uh, but it's another, like, find the little pixels. I think it's a couple more than one pixel, but... It's it's animated, too, so it's, you know, it's easy to notice. Uh, and you can get that pair of contact lenses, and you have to go to his place above the bakery in Forsyth, which, where's that? We haven't even been there yet. Huh. Um, There's so much to do in this desert. Right? There's an oasis with some desert monkeys who say a very good line that is, I am happy there are animals in the desert, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I we love these wolves are. and buffaloes. <laughs> and then we finally run into some miners. Ah, uh, yes, the sign that says desert. Uh, right. And they need some food. They're out here trying to mine for gold. And they're hungry. They have names, but I haven't written them down yet. But uh, maybe we'll have an opportunity to, for me to go remember to write their names down soon. Yeah, I think what's kind of interesting is that the the main miner we get his name like directly and then his brother we don't find out his name unless you like read the newspaper at a certain point or something. We'll find out more about this mm-hmm. later. But right now the guy needs some food. Give him some food. Yeah, we're we're not terrible people. We'll do that. There's double cheeseburgers, hamburgers all over this desert. Yeah. I almost forgot, like, the most important NPCs in this entire desert until I scrolled my notes down and saw the name and was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Who's that? Okay. Well, so you get through the desert. Is there anything else in the desert I forgot about? Not on my list. Okay. You get through the desert. You get back to the road. And the cars are gone. So you can walk the tunnel that's right there to get to Forsyth if you want. Or you can walk back to the drugstore if you want to save first. On your way back to the drugstore, along the side of the road, there is a slot machine. And you I want to talk- make the case that? that I think these guys are designed to be seen when you take the bus past them. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Because there isn't much of an incentive to walk all the way across the down the highway back and forth. Um the game wants you to take the bus, but when you're on in, on the bus going through the desert, you're going to see a slot machine by the side of the road, and then these three ridiculous-looking guys, and then you're like, wait, wait, let, go back, go back. I gotta go figure out what that is. <laughs> you're, like, scared you're gonna go back, and they're just not there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're here, and you can go up to the slot machine, and you can talk to the slot machine, which is not how... I think any other inanimate object in the game works. Except for the sesame seeds. They're not inanimate. Mm-hmm. That's a living... A seed is a living <laughs> creature. Uh, 
Anyway, um, and the slot machine tells you that it's broken. It can't do its function, but it's okay because it made some friends, the the Poncho brothers and their friend, uh, who will uh, be the They're slot the Sanchez machine brothers. for the Sanchez brothers. Yeah, uh, their names <clears throat> are Poncho, Pincho, and Tomas Jefferson. Very good. Which is my uh, such a just a, the biggest brain on that name. It's so good. <laughs> I love Tomas Jefferson so much. Oh, uh. Uh, uh, and they will uh, these guys that are like dressed as like sombrero guys, but they have like poster boards around them. Uh, they become the slot machine, and they'll spin in place whenever you give the slot machine a buck. And you can play the slots. It's so strange. It's, it's so strange. Really strange. I really want to see this in real life. Hmm. You'd probably get really dizzy. Yeah. You'd, it'd be really... But, like, at a con, don't you think there should be three guys yes. with these boxes yeah. around? And they spin around and you could make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> what can you get from them? What do you win? I don't think it's... Uh, oh, it says right here. I happen to be good. at the right place in the text dump. A chick, a skip sandwich, a PSI caramel, mm. a can of fruit juice. Okay. I spent like 10 or 15 minutes and I did win a chick. Hmm. Which I don't think I'd ever actually spent the time to win before. Uh, it's I incredible. <laughs> I discovered while playing this that it's there's a funny response if you don't have inventory space. It says... Your payoff took the day off, amigo. And um, oh. I don't, I don't remember that from before, but I think that's a good line to just that's keep in the back really pocket. Good. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's, there's so much to pick up in this desert that I didn't have space. Man, we're gonna start saying that from now on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whenever, Your basically, whenever anything off, like bad happens or you know yes. anyone has bad luck it's it's very appropriate your yeah. path took the day wow now you guys know what a big deal this game is right mm, yeah this got made into a like a dice game you can buy yeah i i saw a picture of it but that's all i could find that's really interesting uh Let's see. I should have looked this up earlier. There's a whole world of Japanese board games that I wish I could like get more information on, find uh, translations of, but yeah. you know, the Slot Brothers. It has a board game geek entry. Heck <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is this the real thing? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. 94. It's it's board game geek. They're uh very thorough. But, like, the art style on the cover is, it looks like it uh, could have been made yesterday. Yeah. This is not actually what I remember. Is this the, the real thing, or is this, like, a reprint? What on I earth? doubt it's a reprint, but I bet, you know, people are allowed to upload their own, like, homemade versions of games. Yeah, this is, it's a reproduction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Give me, show me the real thing, you guys. It's probably there. Uh, 
Earthbound, Slot, Brothers, Dice, or whatever. Slot Machine Brothers, Sanchez, come on, show me the thing. What do I have to Google? There it is. There's the cover. Four dice included. <laughs> Four dice. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, here's some people at a con dressed as the Slot Machine Brothers. I knew that Fantastic. I was certain it existed. I just wasn't going to push the point. Oh, wonderful. Bless you, Slot Machine Brothers. They have fake mustaches. Fair enough. Um. Well, uh, do we want to move on to the next town? I don't know. I want to think about these guys. You go. You guys move on to the next town while I contemplate the Slot Brothers. Okay, we can do that. Bus or uh, walking. In my game, I haven't done either yet. I went and saved at the drugstore and have yet to cross the cool, like, uh, what do you call those bridges? The the suspension bridges. Yeah. There's a cool suspension bridge that leads into our next town, Foresight. The suspension bridge is way nicer than it has any reason to be. Yeah, it's nice. The... You have the, like, animated reflections of the pilings or whatever in the water. What do you call those things? Columns. The reflection is animated to show that the water is moving gently. The um, the perspective of, like, pay attention to how the those things are lined up to match. It's not like the really, like... What's the word? Gnarly um, dollhouse perspective of the interiors. There's actually a careful, like, series of gradations of the parallax of the towers moving, you know, in front of each other. I'm not talking crazy, you guys. Pay attention to this stuff. Someone worked really hard on this bridge. It's a cool bridge. Anyway, then you cross the bridge and you're in Farsight. Well, wait, if you if you cross the bridge what? by foot, then you get your photo taken. Oh. You know what? You have the the uh event trigger for that must be uh I missed that when I was walking across oh, the no. bridge. Oh no. It's not all the way across the bridge. It's just like one area of the bridge. I guess not. Oh, no. Weird. Yeah, I guess you have to be standing in the right place. For it to look good. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pose. I need to find a list Weird. before I finish the game. Because I got to get all those. I got 100% yeah. this thing. And. Uh, well, okay. Then you walk into Earth or Earthbound. Welcome to Earthbound. Welcome to Earthbound, folks. <laughs> Speaking of perspective, Foreside looks all weird. It's a different setup. That's true. Yeah. Well, we're not supposed to talk. We'll talk about Foresight in the next episode. Yeah, I was like, say. I haven't even gotten there yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, the, I 
really got distracted by looking for images of the Slot Brothers card game, uh, cards and dice game. How come other card games aren't called cards games? You don't play poker with one card. I bet you could. I bet there's like a... Somebody's put that on Itch.io. <gasps> the single card game of poker. <laughs> but it's like a really big card. And you have to slide around like one of those okay, glasses. See you later.